Hi there, my name is Matt Hand, pastor at Grace City Church in Denver, Colorado. When COVID-19 first hit, a number of us were kind of led to believe that this would be about a three to six week hiatus where we would definitely need to adapt and transform a number of things for church and business and personal life, but then kind of go back to normal after that short a period of time. And it's a little bit like starting off thinking you're running a 5K and realizing partway in that it's actually turned into a marathon. And I don't need to tell you what would happen to you if you were pacing yourself to run three miles and it turned out to be over 20 and still going. So as I'm talking to different ones of you, one of the most common themes that I'm hearing right now is that you're simply exhausted and fatigued. And I know your businesses, I know your vocations, I know how much many different ones of you have had to adapt and to transform your business or your role in a particular business uh, to bring the stuff home, to, to put all this stuff online. Simultaneously, you're bringing your kids home and trying to figure out how do I simultaneously homeschool my 2.5 kids while they don't have access to parks and pools and playgrounds and all the public spaces that they're accustomed to going for a break. And that's now been for months on end. Others of you are exhausted, you're fatigued for a very different reason, and that is because you are suddenly experiencing unemployment along with social isolation. And anyone affected by those kinds of things would have a very different kind of fatigue and exhaustion set in. Then on top of all of this, we are all dealing with the same societal pressures and pains right now between a pandemic and the resulting unemployment and economic crash. And uh, I saw this week an article in the news that said that Denver is number one since the pandemic hit the United States at something that we don't want to be number one at, and that is inflation. So our cost of retail goods and groceries and all of those kinds of things have gone up over 9% in just a couple months. So we have that pressure. We have the, the new pressure and the, the agony of racial injustice and tension and urban unrest and protests and trying to fight for justice in a society that is often not as just and as equitable as we would hope it would be. And so those are added pressures on top of your vocational and your personal things that are contributing to your sense of fatigue. So I'm talking to everyone this morning and whether your fatigue started out as a physical thing that became emotional and mental, or if it started out as kind of an, a mental and emotional fatigue that has now affected your body, we are all exhausted. We are all tired. And so perhaps maybe today you will hear the words of Jesus Christ, familiar words in Matthew 11, a little differently. Because this is the invitation of Jesus to people who are worn out, who are fatigued, who are exhausted. And he means this bodily, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. When you are in that kind of condition, his invitation to you, Matthew eleven twenty eight, begins like this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to talk to you this morning on Father's Day about rest. And four points here this morning, the requirement of rest, the reasons for rest, and then the reward and the ritual of rest. And I want you to see, first of all, this morning that rest is not an addendum to God's program. It's not an add-on. It's not an afterthought. It's not even an accommodation to our brokenness or our weakness or our sinfulness. We actually find rest in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 before mankind has sinned, before there's a fall, before there's a curse. We find it's not part of God's plan B, but rest is part of God's plan A. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in all creation. So I wanna just lead off by saying, we are not talking about laziness this morning. We are not talking about the person who refuses to work to provide for his family. The Bible has a lot of other things to say about that. I'm talking this morning to people who are working and working and working and maybe worrying and worrying and worrying and you are frazzled, you are stressed, you are fatigued, you are exhausted. And I wanna say from God's word, Stop feeling bad about the fact that you want rest, okay? This is not sinful. This is not a manifestation of just you're, you're weaker. You don't have it together the way that other people do. That's nonsense. You were not wired to go 100 miles an hour, 8 or 10 or 12 or 14 hours a day, 7 days a week, months on end. We see in Genesis 1 and 2, you are made in the image of God male or female, black or white, rich or poor, you are made in the image of God and God himself rested as a core part of his plan A and as part of this, the, the rhythm of life that he hands to you and says, this is how people that bear my image live, is in a cycle of work and rest. So this is my first point, as simple as this is, it's just simply the requirement of rest. And I mean the word requirement kind of two related ways. One is simply that rest is a necessity. And secondly, rest is commanded by God, perhaps because it's a necessity, okay? So just physiologically speaking, do you know you could go probably like three weeks without eating food? You could go three or four days without drinking water or hydrating. But within 48 hours of not sleeping, your brain starts to do really wonky things where it shuts off and you would literally black out and you would start hallucinating and very quickly you would die without rest, okay? You were made for rest. And I want you to just consider kind of the, the humor of this and also the beauty of this design is that every 24 hours of your life, God basically designed it where you need eight hours of sleep, give or take. Some of you need more than that. Some of you need less than that. But, but for eight hours of every 24-hour period, 
God intended for you to essentially be useless and just let your brain and your body repair and renew and rest. Beyond your physical body, your emotions, your mental state, to be healthy, those things need regular rest. You were not meant to keep churning along at a relentless pace with either your body or your emotions or your thoughts. And I know right now because of all that's going on in our society is even when many of us are able to physically lie down and try to rest our bodies, your minds will not shut off and they are continuing to go at 100 miles an hour. And I, I just want to know, I want you to know that God gives you permission. He invites you to, he exhorts you to rest. And I love the imagery of Psalm 23 verses one and two. And many of you know this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. Because sometimes we don't want to lie down, do we? We don't want to rest. We want to keep producing. We want to keep solving our problems. We want to keep feeling like we're in control and we're doing something to fix stuff. And one of our three children, the youngest, very suddenly will have these dramatic emotional outbursts. And usually it's just deep sadness or like kind of inconsolable crabbiness. And he's been in a part of our world long enough where we know he is exhausted and what he needs more than anything is just to rest. And so sometimes we will literally say, okay, son, you need to lie down and close your eyes and just sleep. Okay, you're not gonna miss out on anything, but just sleep. And he'll inevitably say, no, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. And continue the, the crabbiness or the sadness or whatever it is. And we'll say, no, you, you will lie down you will close your eyes. And when he does that, he falls almost immediately asleep. And when he wakes up, he's almost always in a completely different emotional state, okay? And many of you that are parents have seen this very thing. Our bodies, our minds, our emotions, our souls require rest. It is the kindness of God that he would say, lie down in green pastures, I'll keep running the universe. I'll keep guarding the flock. You rest, okay? Now, point two, the reasons for rest. And what I want to do at this point is just say, other than your need for survival, why does God invite you to rest? What does he intend to accomplish in your life while you are resting rather than working or worrying, whichever you are prone to, and maybe it's both. Well, three things here. Um, I think it's interesting that when Genesis tells the story of creation in chapter one, the very first chapter of the Bible, what's the last statement of chapter one before we get to rest, chapter two, verse one? Chapter one, verse 31 says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Next thing, so he rested. And I want you to understand this. God did not rest because he was fatigued. He rested because he was finished. Okay, so he's resting not out of exhaustion. He's resting out of exhilaration. And here's the picture that Genesis 1 and 2 give us. 
God is sitting here and he has created this universe by, by the word of his power. And do you know why he rests? Is because he wants to step back and just say, I want to deliberately delight in and enjoy the work of my hands. And I want to teach you how to do the same thing. So when we come to Exodus chapter 20, which is the Ten Commandments, and we come to this commandment about the Sabbath day, and we hear, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, God then gives us this kind of internal commentary. He says, for six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. A Sabbath is a cessation. It's a pause. It's a rest. And he says, on this Sabbath, you shall not do any work for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so here's reason number one that you and I are called to rest is simply to pause for worship and delight. I mean, how often do you just pause with no real agenda, nothing to accomplish per se, other than just to reflect on and to enjoy God himself. Just say, you know what? I'm not trying to do something right now. I just want to be still, be quiet before the Lord and just think on him, meditate on him, just enjoy something about him and delight in him. Or how often do you just stop to reflect on and enjoy the people that God has put in your life, to, to look at his creation, to think, man, that is beautiful. And that says something like Psalm 19 says about your majesty and your glory and your power and your creativity and your love for us. Or how often do you just pause to rest and think about God's providence in your life to arrange circumstances in his plan to make you more like Jesus? And see, what I think the problem is, is we are too busy, we are too hurried all the time by choice. We overschedule ourselves by choice. Everyone's doing it. Our culture has made a virtue out of it. And you know that this is true because even the ones of you who literally have nothing going on in your life, and some of you are just bored to death, when someone asks you how you're doing, the culturally conditioned response is, oh, I'm just so busy and exhausted. Because we've made a virtue out of overscheduling and being over, rushing from one thing to another, to another, to another. And if COVID-19 has done one good thing for our culture, I think it's that it's forced us to just stop with getting 18 different things every weekend for our kids to go from this to this to this to this. And we got this program and this session and this counseling and this, uh, you know, just this dinner with these friends because we got to keep them happy. And we're just, you know, FOMO, don't want to miss anything. So we're always busy at everything. And, and God's like, stop. Stop intentionally being so busy. It's not a virtue. Do you know what's a virtue? is living a cycle of, yeah, work hard, but then rest well. And rest well to worship and to delight in God first and then in everything that God has blessed you with. So that's reason number one. Reason number two, in Exodus chapter 31, 
verse 13, we read this. God says again, you shall keep my Sabbaths, keep that cessation, keep that rest, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So here's reason number two. The second reason that we are called to rest, that we're invited to rest, is to trust the Lord's work in us. To trust the Lord's work. See, he says rest is a sign. That means it's a a symbol. It's a reminder of something. What What is it a sign? What is it a sign of? What is it a reminder of? And he says right in this text, he says, it's a reminder that that life is ultimately not about your work for God. It is not about your performance. It is not about your productivity. In fact, I'm going to command you to take a day every week and just don't produce. Don't perform. Stop and understand that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. In other words, it's my work. It's God's work in us, not our work for God that truly defines our significance. Oh, we know God says to rest, and this is what we do. We're like, okay, someday I will. Okay, when this project's over, then I will rest. When this purchase is over, then I will rest. When my three years of graduate school or my residency, my internship, when that's over, then I'll rest. When I've been in my job long enough to, uh, you know, unlock level partner, you know, then I'll slow down, then I'll rest. And of course, the reality is, no, you won't because you've now set horrible patterns in your life of getting what you want out of life by working and working and worrying, worrying and doing, doing and and not resting. And we need to hear a verse like Exodus 34, 21, where God says, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Get this, in plowing time and in harvest, you shall rest. And you can just hear the people. I know we're not an agrarian culture. You're not farmers, but you understand what he's saying. They're like, God, it's plowing season. We got this little window of time to get the seeds in the ground. And then harvest season, we got so much time to get this stuff out and, you know, break it down and get the fruit out of it and get it to market and make some profit. And God's like, yeah, in your busiest times, slow down, rest, rest in God, because it is a deliberate, it's, 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 de- it's a defiant act toward a culture who commands you to work, work, work. And you're saying, I resist that siren call of idolatry that my significance is found in my work, my performance, my productivity. The reality is my significance is found in a God who works for me and a God who works in me. So you rest, you sleep at night, you take breaks and remember in these times God is at work in me. Even when I'm sound asleep, God is at work. God is doing, God is active. He loves me, he cares for me. It's ultimately him that's doing something in my life. So rest to trust the Lord's work in you. And then reason number three, Deuteronomy chapter five, when the 10 commandments are kind of restated in Deuteronomy, it's said a little differently this time, it's interesting. Deuteronomy 5 says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. 
And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So reason number three, why do we rest? God says it right here. It's to celebrate your freedom in Christ. See, day after day, month after month, year after year, the Pharaoh commanded the people of God to work and work and work and work. Go, go, go. And when God delivers them, he makes a deliberate point. You're working for a new master now. You're working for Yahweh. You're working for Christ. And this is a different master than any master you've ever had before because this master breaks the bondage of the other masters and he liberates you and he says, you know what? It is not about your constant productivity. I literally don't need anything from you. I've simply called you to join me in my work so that you can find the purpose of your existence, so that you can find true delight in healthy work and in healthy rest. So God invites us to rest, to celebrate our freedom. And I know as you look at your lives, you, I mean, some of you may have a lousy boss, a, a relentless boss, but we've got masters like this. We've got masters like productivity, as I said, performance. Some of you, your master is success. You are dominated by this quest for success and significance, for a reputation. Your master is people-pleasing. Your master is discontentment. That's why people work and work and work and worry and worry and worry because we always want more, more stuff, more power, more control, more freedom of our own choices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want you to hear the words of Tim Keller. He says, anyone who cannot obey God's command to observe the Sabbath is a slave, even if a self-imposed one. Your own heart or our materialistic culture or an exploitative organization or all of the above will be abusing you if you don't have the ability to be disciplined in your practice of Sabbath. Sabbath is therefore a declaration of our freedom. It means you are not a slave, not to your culture's expectations, your family's hopes, your medical school's demands, not even to your own insecurities. I love that. You're not a slave. And when you take time to rest and care for your own body and mind and emotions and souls, and you just say no to stuff, sometimes maybe even without feeling the need to give an explanation, can we do it for these reasons? And by the way, just imagine if this is your routine, that, that you're not just resting. It's not just like you're sleeping because that's what you do and you're tired, you gotta survive. But I mean, what if you are deliberately living this way where you have this cycle, this rhythm of rest built into your life? You would have more delight, a more worshipful spirit constantly to give God what he's due. You would be more dependent on his work in you than on your work for him. And you'd have more appreciation for your freedom in Christ just to celebrate. God, you have been so good to me to break the power of all these masters, to break their demands, to set me free, to let me take your yoke, Matthew 11, and wear that yoke because you are gentle and lowly in heart. So this takes me to my next point, the reward of rest. And I want you to see that rest itself is intrinsically good. Rest itself is a part of God's reward for godly 
living, for Christ-like living. But when you use your rest, as I just described, I want you to see that it also leads you to a greater, a fuller, a, a much deeper and richer reward. And that is the reward of having less stress because you've gotten more of God himself. And because your delight is God himself, you have unburdened yourself from having to be in control and run your life and please all these other masters in your life. So you have more delight. Again, going back to Matthew 11, these verses I led off with, when Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he again, he repeats it. You will find rest for your souls. Rest, friends, is not just sleep. The word that Jesus uses here means a, a relieving, a refreshing of something. And notice what he says he's refreshing and renovating and renewing is your soul. It's the Greek word her, here, uh, suke, or we would say psyche. It's your, it's your true whole self. He's saying, I am renewing, I am renovating, I am giving rest to not just your physical body, as important as that is, but to your mind, to your emotions, to the deepest parts of your soul, your affections, your cravings, I'm renovating and relieving all of that. How would you like that? How would you like to come to Jesus right now exhausted and fatigued and weighed down with the burdens of your personal life, your personal vocation, what you're doing with your kids right now, and then all this just piles and piles and piles of stuff going on in our culture right now, which is truly exhausting. And come to Jesus and just say, I accept your Lordship. You can be my master. I don't want these other masters. You can be my Lord, and I want to learn from you and, and sit at your feet, as it were, and be a follower of you, Jesus, and to discover that in that process, your whole self, your true self, is being renewed, is being renovated, is being restored moment by moment, day by day. By the way, notice this, and this is for people like me who want to do, do, do for God. Apparently, Jesus is not interested in you and me burning out for him. He invites those who are burning out to come to him so that they don't burn out for him, okay? Yes, we need to be about pursuing the mission and the person and the kingdom work of Jesus. But what we find in a text like this and all throughout the Bible is that the kingdom work of Jesus is not work, work, work. Show me what you can do. The, the kingdom agenda of Jesus is live in the reality of my work for you. And a big part of living in that reality of his gracious work on the cross to die for our sins, to set us free, to say your true significance, your identity now is not found in what you do, do, do. It's not found in solving your own problems. It's found in coming to a God who did for you and who redeems you from your problems 
So live by grace, friends. Pursue joy and delight in God and in the gospel. Be a person who enjoys and celebrates your freedom in Christ from all these other masters. And then I'm just gonna end very, very practically and very simply what, what I'm calling the ritual of rest. A ritual is something that you do over and over. I'm gonna be very careful here because what the, the last thing I mean is that you need to now be legalistic about this, okay? This is not another thing for you to get right so that God's happy for you. I mean, Jesus literally said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, okay? So if this rest isn't serving you by restoring your soul, by, by helping you enjoy and delight in God and God's wonderful gifts to you, then, okay, something's off. So I don't mean ritual in that way. I just mean that, that it does have a rhythm of six days on, one day off, of that, you know, seven, eight, nine hours of sleep, every 24 hours. So there, there are rhythms, there are habits, there are patterns that you would be wise to develop. So just in closing, I want to be very practical and just say, I encourage you, find some things that fill your heart with wholesome freedom and delight. Find some things that draw your attention and your affection back to Christ and his finished work for you, where you're just like, God, when, whenever I get a chance to pause and do this, maybe it's time with a good friend, or maybe it's reading a book, not for any productivity, but just simply for pleasure. And you're like, God, when I do that, I'm just, I'm just renewed, and I just enjoy you all over again, and I'm so thankful for the grace that you've dumped into my life because you're a good father. Okay, th this isn't gonna be the same thing for everybody, but I'm just saying you need to pick a few things that recharge your mental and emotional and even physical health because we live in a world that sucks those things out of you and you need to let God renew you, okay? So for me, I'll just give you three quick examples. Gardening, fishing, and exercise are three things that I've found. And what's interesting about these things for me, and I think the reason they work this way for me is like with gardening, there is a cycle of working and then waiting on God to do what only God can do, okay? You, you put those seeds in the ground. You, you have to cultivate the soil and add the amendments to the soil and, and do all those things, but then you just gotta water it and wait, right? And then you go out the next day and you water it and you wait and you're harvesting fruit and you're running off the fungus and the, the rodents and the different things like that, but, but you're working and you're waiting. And that rhythm of just going out there into our garden every day this time of year and, and looking at the flowers and looking at the plants that are starting to bud and being able to enjoy some of the fruit of our labors is something that renews different parts of my personality. Um, I mentioned fishing, you know, again, like there's a work to it, but there's also a waiting to it. Sometimes it's more waiting than we like, okay? But it's a relaxing thing when you just embrace it with that spirit. Um, exercise, where there's, there's hard work and it's exhausting, but then you just, you just gotta rest and let God repair your body. And each of these things then has like a, a fruit to it, some benefit that you get out of this, something that's totally different than the rest of my life, like my vocation, okay? So... Find these kinds of things. It's important that you carve out time to even schedule these things and don't feel guilty about it because this is how God designed you. 
Um, one more thing and I'm done. Just, just practically, I want to also encourage you, be the kind of person who helps others rest. Okay? It's Father's Day. Father's a great example. Um, are you the kind of dad that brings rest and God's renovation and renewal into your children's lives? Again, whether they're little ones or adults. Is time spent with you something that's going to fill them back up and restore the levels of health that God intends for their life? Or is time around you something that sucks that out of people? Okay, and I, I realize, again, six days of work. So, you know, just because like I'm a boss and many of you are bosses or you have a boss, like, you may have to work with other people, but is your work geared toward how are we helping people enjoy their ultimate rest in Christ? What are we doing? What are we producing? What are we encouraging them to focus on and find their identity in? So, so help one another and help people in your life in these patterns and habits of both you yourself resting and helping others rest. I close with this. Kevin DeYoung says, it is not wrong to be tired. It is not wrong to feel overwhelmed. It is not wrong to go through seasons of complete chaos. What is wrong and heartbreakingly foolish and wonderfully avoidable is to live a life with more craziness than we want because we have less Jesus than we need. You don't ever have to live another day with less Jesus than you need because he says, come. Are you weary? Are you burdened down with the cares of life and what's going on around you? Are you worked to the bone? Are you worried to the bone? You don't ever have to live with less Jesus than you need. He says, come, take my yoke, learn from me, and I will give you deep, deep rest and restoration for your very soul. Come to this Jesus, friends, come and rest.